presented by Facebook. Hey, good morning, Playbookers and Rugamun of Allen. It's Friday, and here's today's question. It's today the day we see a vote on infrastructure in the House. This is your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. The House adjourned just after 10 p.m. last night as Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her leadership team struggled to round up votes to pass the twin infrastructure and build back better bills. Democrats made progress in three key areas. They reached a deal on repealing a Trump-era limit on state and local tax deductions, resolved concerns on immigration reform, and convinced moderates to back an altered drug pricing deal. Democratic leadership announced the House will be back in session at 8 a.m. today, and votes would happen. But Politico's Nicholas Wu, Sarah Ferris, and Heather Cagle report that Democratic leaders are still facing resistance from centrists who've raised procedural concerns, such as the lack of cost analysis. Pelosi circulated a Dear Colleague letter Thursday night that included budgetary details from White House staff, but several Democrats say they want the details from Congress's independent scorekeepers, not a partisan office. One reason for Democrats to be optimistic today. Many in the caucus are set to embark on overseas trips ahead of next week's recess. A deadline, in other words, could help push them to act. One reason for Democrats to be pessimistic. Party leaders' failure to corral the votes they need on Thursday, after several exhausting weeks spent hashing out many of the same issues, has left some Democrats privately wondering how they'll pull it off on Friday. And even if Nancy Pelosi succeeds in getting BBB through the House, Senator Joe Manchin is, quote, going to change it anyway. Politico's Marianne Levine and Burgess Everett write, quote, Manchin is making it clear that he's not paying much attention to what the House is crafting, memorably saying Wednesday that he has no idea what they are doing. Meanwhile, Emily Cochran and Jonathan Weissman from the New York Times report that President Joe Biden, who declined to press rank-and-file members for an imminent vote last week, is now fully engaged in the whipping effort. Quote, Biden made personal calls on Thursday, as did Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, who reached out to at least one Democrat facing a tough re-election. Virginia governor-elect Glenn Youngkin, worth noting one of the wealthiest politicians in the country, passed over a slew of glossy D.C. ad firms to hire a scrappy upstart Richmond-based ad firm called Pool House. With a team of just 20 people, co-founders Will Ritter and Tim O'Toole cut 42 ads for Youngkin out of an old warehouse space in Richmond. We hear their phones have been blowing up since Youngkin's win. Ritter was so eager to score the business that he pitched Yunkin shortly after his wife gave birth to their second child. Ritter changed into a suit at the hospital, made the presentation to the campaign, and then returned it to his wife and newborn. The inspiration for the name Poolhouse came after the two founders, then Romney staffers, took a rare weekend off during the 2012 campaign to rent a poolhouse in Nantucket, where they pledged that one day they would open their own firm. And on the latest episode of Politico Playbook's Deep Dive, Playbook's Ryan Lizza digs into the narrow win with Youngkin campaign strategists Jeff Rowe and Kristen Davison and the mistakes they think McAuliffe's campaign made. If you had been advising McAuliffe, knowing your own strengths and weaknesses, what's the one thing you would have advised the McAuliffe campaign to do that would have been difficult for you guys? I mean, this this the education issue was bubbling in Virginia since... January, since school board meetings in January. It was about fi- going back to school five days a week then, but you could see something moving and, and they didn't take advantage of that. If I were them, I would have hit us first. They could have done effective hits and before we were able to get out in front of it. Plus, senior politics editor Charlie Matessian on the significant places Youngkin gained the most votes. You can catch those conversations on Playbook Deep Dive wherever you get your podcasts. 
Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 9.30 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will receive the president's daily brief. At 10.15, Biden will deliver remarks on the October jobs report. At noon, Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will attend the funeral service for Colin Powell at the Washington National Cathedral. The president will depart the White House for Rehoboth Beach, Delaware in the evening. Here's what's on the vice president's calendar. At 4.05, the vice president will tour the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, and deliver remarks at 4.45. She'll announce that she'll chair her first meeting of the National Space Council on December 1st. The council was revived by former President Donald Trump in 2017 to craft space policy, but is yet to meet during the Biden presidency. She'll be joined by NASA Administrator Bill Nelson. Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre will brief at 2.30. They also meet at 9 a.m. with the last votes scheduled for 3 p.m. The Senate is out today. All right, one last thing before we get out of here. New York Mayor-elect Eric Adams says he'll take his first three paychecks as mayor in Bitcoin in order to demonstrate that, quote, New York City is going to be the center of the cryptocurrency industry. If anyone knows how to say, can I have this in Bitcoin in German, I would really appreciate it. Okay, Playbook's editor is Mike Zappler. Jenny Ahmet is Politico's senior producer of audio. The executive producer and head of audio is Irene Noguchi. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Rogan Monavallen. Have a great weekend. We'll see you first thing Monday morning. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com slash safety.